Hello, my name is Monica Kretschmer, and I'm the founder and CEO of the Universal Women's Network, Woman of Inspiration Awards, and this is the Woman of Inspiration podcast, where we speak with women of inspiration who lead, inspire, and motivate others to dream big. These are women who are ignoring the naysayers and paving the road less traveled. Uh, it's a really special episode today. I have one woman that I truly, truly um, admire her leadership and her tenacity and her, her vision for building other women up within the world of Raymond James. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Andrea Linger. She is the Associate Vice President, Practice Management, and the head of the Canadian Women Canadian Advisory Network for Raymond James. So welcome, Andrea. It's such a treat to have you on board for the podcast today. Thank you, Monica. It's a pleasure to be here. And I know that title is quite a mouthful. <laughs> I practice every time and I want to switch around Canadian and women. Yeah. But it, it is truly a, a, I've just seen the amount of work that you and your team have put into supporting women um, through your network. It's truly inspiring and leadership is just, uh, you guys are leading the way definitely um, for company support and being visible champions uh, of women in leadership. So congratulations on everything. And I know it takes a lot of work and I'm gonna dive into your story um, because the listeners um, and the viewers today are dying to know, so how did you actually get to be you know, head of the Women Canadian Advisory Network. I mean, how did you, how did this role come to be? Um, it's been a process. Um, I, I didn't actually originally start in the finance industry, to be honest with you. I kind of fell into it. Uh, originally, I was working uh, within my family's business and I worked there for about 11 years with my mom, my dad and my then husband <laughs> um and then i decided i kind of hit a wall about 28 i had two two small children and i hit a wall i just knew that i wasn't really happy with where my life was going and so i decided to leave the family business and go back to school so i did my bachelor of commerce and um just before graduation i wrote a list of all of the successful women that i knew in victoria and there was one name at the top of the list and I called her up and I said, can I take you for lunch? I just want to know what it is that you do and how you do it and where you've gotten to be where you're at. So we went for lunch and I picked her brain for about an hour and a bit. We had a wonderful conversation and that night she actually called me and she was in the world of finance. She called me and she says, you know what, you've got to come work for me. And I'm like, okay, what, are, what am I going to do? She's like, I'm not sure, but we'll figure it out. She says, I just, I just know that you need to be on my team. I'm like, okay, so let's, let's give it a go. Um, so that's how I got into the world of finance. And that was about 11 years ago. Um, we were originally at HSBC securities and then about a year into my employment with her, we transitioned over to Raymond James. So I've been at Raymond James now for 10 years. So I actually started on the client facing side of the business. So. I looked after most of the admin and the marketing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but as my mentor's job changed, my role kind of changed as well. I knew I didn't necessarily want to be a financial advisor, 
um, but I wanted to be able to make use of my business degree. So when the opportunity came up for the practice, the national department of practice management, which is a department that basically helps our advisors build and grow their business um, and the role for the women, women's network came up, um, I jumped at the chance. And so that's kind of how it came to be. It's been about know, five or six years now that I've been in this role. And um, it's a really collaborative effort, I'd have to say, on the women's network side, because Raymond James has been doing this for over 27 years. So it's not, you know, it's not a, a, a buzzword. It's not something that we just picked up the mantle and started beating the drum. Um, you know, it's truly ingrained in our culture. And so I work very closely with uh, the camp my counterpart down in the US, uh, where, you know, we've got a very large network down there. Um, and so Renee Baker, she is a phenomenal force to be reckoned with down in the US. And so I work very closely with her. And then um, our UK division actually created a women's network over the last couple of years. So I work with Cynthia Poole as well uh, in the UK. And so we really collaborate and we piggyback off what each other's doing uh, to leverage each other's strengths and, um, and help support our women advisors and men advisors. I want to point that out because our networks are not exclusive they're inclusive so you know there's a lot of events that we do where we love to have our allies actually there as well because that's important i think that that's sometimes the piece that gets missed is that you know it's very important that we have men allies as well um right there beside us there's i i have a a, a man in the at Raymond James that actually uh, is a mentor as well. And, you know, he's been a, a phenomenal resource to bounce ideas off of and get perspective sometimes that, you know, it's good to get that male perspective. Mm. Well, as you know, we've had many conversations about the role that men play and how definitely important and valued their contribution is in the support her world. And so I love the fact that your women's, um, you know, initiatives are very inclusive in that world, because I think that's something that that conversation that we're certainly having, that you're having that I think more people should have, right? Is that it takes both to move women up in leadership roles. Absolutely. We all need to, you know, women need to pull other women up with them. So if there's a seat at the table, bring someone with you, you know, um, and advocate for someone that you know that kind of needs that maybe a gentle nudge or um, that boost of confidence. Because sometimes I think that's maybe where women struggle is, you know, either with imposter syndrome or, you know, not feeling like they are good enough to be at the table. So that's, I think, where women can really help bring another woman along and then the men at the table embracing those women as they join um, that's the other component that i think is extremely important as well and i think opportunities um you know we've had some conversations before about you know what are some industries that where there's not as many female representation and i think the financial industry is definitely one of them but raymond james for my really, um, you know, since I've really begun to work with you and your team, I've seen so many opportunities for women and where you can pivot and transition. And there's an opportunity for 
someone that wants to take it and that will actually women want to feel secure they want to build um wealth and they want to contribute right so i i maybe can share a little bit about that because what raymond james does is very different than what other organizations do yeah i mean in the financial services industry you know on average we're seeing about a 15 percent uh, female participation rate um and that's on the advisor side you know the banks um so we're talking independent financial advising firms not um necessarily the banks the banks generally have higher um counts as far as women participation however that being said um you know at raymond james we're different we've we've been moving the needle and that's a very high priority for us um we do really want to get to that that parity we actually have some exciting i can't i can't blow the secret but we do have some exciting announcements that are going to be coming out shortly in regards to an initiative that we're that we are going to be part of it's a national initiative actually um but so i don't want to steal someone else's thunder <laughs> but even on our own women's network side we do have a mandate to try and get to 25 percent female advisor representation by 2025 we're kind of sitting around that 18.7 mark so in the last four five years we've increased it by about four and a half percent so that's good um but not good enough as far as i'm concerned i still want to see it higher um but you know i think it's important that we understand that women bring a different element to the financial services industry and it's a voice that needs to be heard it's a fantastic career opportunity for women you can basically write your own paycheck um, you can determine your own schedule it's really flexible if you want to have children um, and the way the industry is moving is it's it's not so um it's not stock picking anymore <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's really about de developing client relationships and women um, are really good at that. So, you know, it is a natural fit, but I think unfortunately our industry is not one of those, you know, name brand industries that people hear of when they're going through school and through university. Uh, part of one of the initiatives that I'm also involved with is campus engagement. And, you know, the number of students, men and women that I'm talking to, it, you know, they don't necessarily know about this industry. A lot of people fall into it. Um, everybody thinks of, you know, accounting or an analyst <laughs> before they actually think of being a financial advisor. And I think that there's a real opportunity for um, young, you know, that next generation coming up um, to have some autonomy, to be their own business owners. Like here at Raymond James, um, our advisors own their books of businesses. So they're really like entrepreneurs, right? And so if you want to have your own business, you want to set your own hours, you want to have some flexibility, you want to have a family, all of these wonderful things. Well, this is an industry that you can do that in. So it's getting that message out and communicating that to more women. And so sometimes that's the challenge is how do you get that message out? <laughs> Well, I have a great idea. Why don't we have a podcast and talk about it? There we go. <laughs> or why don't we have a big truck with a whole bunch of women's faces on it? <laughs> right. Why don't we travel across Canada for the 2021 Roadshow? I, you know what? This is exactly how we get the conversation out there is we share it and somebody will hear it and will resonate with them. And all of a sudden we want to say, hey, 
We all know a woman, every one of us knows at least one woman that is going through a transition in her life. And I think maybe that's where I want to start with you as well, um, is your transition started um, at a point where you did a transition. So maybe if you can talk about that as well, because I think that's really important, especially coming out of the global pandemic, there's lots of transition. Everything here has changed dramatically for women. And some women have had a step back and now looking at, you know, I have to pivot and maybe that job isn't available anymore. Or now I have more responsibilities at, at home with my kids. What can I do? And so I want to inspire them with a little bit of hope by your story. So, I mean, for me, it was, I, I got married really young, um, you know, had children young. Um, and I didn't really know myself. I have to say, you know, in your 20s, um, you should be out kind of having fun and, and trying to find yourself. Well, you know, I always felt that I had to have, you know, the job, the white picket fence, the kids, all of that kind of stuff. And so when I had, um, I don't want to say a, a midlife crisis, but something close to that, I, I just had an epiphany that I knew that I needed to do something different. Um, I kind of hit 30 and went, okay, I'm not really fulfilling my life's purpose. So what could I do different? So I symbolized it by throwing myself out of an airplane at 10,000 feet, <laughs> of course, with a parachute on. Um, and that was the start of my journey. Really. It was, you know, um, starting to learn more about who I was as a person. What did I need? Um, because in my opinion, um you can't really give to other people if you don't give to yourself as well mm -hmm. um now those are easy words to say uh, a little bit harder to put into practice especially if you're a mom with kids um because you're very much a doer for everybody else yeah. but you know i do think that it can be scary to take that leap and decide like leaving my family's business that was a huge 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 crushing decision for me um you know i was always under the impression that I would be the succession plan for my parents. Mm. And so making that decision to actually leave my family's business um, was actually really difficult. And, you know, there's times where I still wonder if I made the right decision, but other times I know that by spreading my own wings, I've also um, validated who I was as a person inside as well. And so, you know, I took a step back financially to do it. Um, you know, what I was making working for my family's business was not what I was making when I first started in this business. Um, but, you know, sometimes you have to take a step back in order to move forward. And so it is very possible to change careers and make these changes. And in fact, a lot of financial advisors actually, um, this is sometimes their second career. Um, I know a few really successful women advisors that were in completely different industries and they transitioned over. And that knowledge actually helps to work with our clients even more, right? Because they have that external experience as well. So I do think that, you know, um, when I deal with women, um, you know, when I'm talking to female advisor recruits or I'm working with young women um, or even young men, sometimes in our advisor internship program, which is our training program that we use to bring in our next gen, uh, into the firm, uh, you know, some of the biggest stumbling blocks are they're, they're worried about taking that step back and what is that going to mean for them? And sometimes I hate to say this, you just gotta go for it. 
Like yeah. if you, yeah, it's going to be a hard slog for the first few years. This industry is not easy and it's not for the faint of heart, but um, if you can't, you know, if you just embrace that, know that that is going to be what it's going to be like for the first five years. Um, there's a lot of upside potential, you know, as you move forward. And I think that as women, sometimes we limit ourselves because, you know, statistically speaking, we've got to check all 10 of the requirements off on a job description before we'll apply. Um, you know, we won't necessarily always raise our hand. And of course, I'm being very generalizing here because, you know, this is not everybody, not everybody is like that. Um, but I do think that we're taught from a young age to not necessarily put our hands up. And I think it's important for us to embrace that. I mean, the younger generation has, I look at my daughter um, or daughters, I should say, and you know, they don't see the limitations that maybe I saw when I was their age. And I'm so, so happy for that because that gives me real hope for the future. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I think that they're, this is an industry you can transition into um, easily as a second or a third career. Um, you know, there's, there is an educational component that does need to occur, um, but obviously life experience and, and the career that you had previously, um, you know, you bring that experience with you. It's you know, transferable skills, really. Um, and so, yeah, if, if you're thinking about something and wanting to do something different, just go for it. I mean, if you don't get out of your comfort zone, you never grow. That's basically what um, I have learned. Mm. Fantastic advice. And I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, role modeling mm -hmm. um, and the importance of role modeling for our younger generation. Of course, you're such a strong leader and a woman and an advocate. Of course, your daughters are looking at mom saying, we got this. There isn't anything we can't do because mom does anything mom does it all right and that's super um powerful and i know that um you were sharing that i had asked in one of our questions you know so what did you want to be when you were 12 do you remember and share Actually, that with the listeners you know what i wasn't sure although i did ask my mom this question because <laughs> i'm like mom what did i say i wanted to be when i was great uh, you know 12 years old Apparently I wanted, cause I was, I was born and raised in Alberta. Um, so apparently I wanted to marry a horse rancher <laughs> and I'm not sure why, because I'm allergic to horses, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, so when I was younger, my biggest issue that I had is I was a straight A student and there was like all of the subjects I enjoyed. So there was never really one subject that just stood out saying, Hey, pick me, pick me. Um, so I, I struggled with trying to identify where I wanted to go. Um, I kind of always was in the business world though, cause my family has always been in, you know, been entrepreneurs. So I knew that I needed, I wanted to do something for myself. So in the position that I'm in now, what I love is I do have a certain sense of autonomy in the job. And, and I do think that regardless of what position you work in, um, you know, if you take ownership of that position and treat it like it was your own business or, or whatever, um, and embrace that, then you'll be successful. So do I remember exactly what I wanted to be? Apparently it was married to a horse rancher. <laughs> By the way, all the horse ranchers listening, she's taken. 
<laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> I couldn't refuse that. That's adorable. And yeah, I, I just think that's the best question sometimes. Sometimes people have it figured out, bless their soul, like your daughter. Oh, right? I know. She just amazes me. Like she's 17 years old. Um, you know, she's got such ambition. Um, she's a, you know, um, a very highly competitive uh, club volleyball player, you know, has aspirations of, you know, the national team and the Olympics at some point. Um, but on top of that, she also knows that she wants to be a lawyer. And so, you know, I, it just blows me away because um, we're getting to that stage now where uh, we have three older children that are kind of at that next step. And they all kind of know where they're going. And I am amazed by that. I think it's it's fantastic that they know themselves well enough um, that they can say, yeah, this is the path I'm going to follow right now. <laughs> Truly remarkable. Truly mm -hmm. remarkable. And I have to say kudos to you because that's definitely, you're helping them guide those decisions. You're making those opportunities happening. And I, you know, it helps having a support network. Just yes. Absolutely. Whether you're 17 or whether you're 20 or 30 or 40, your support network is critical. Yes, I would totally agree with you. And I mean, I have an amazing support network around me. Um, my husband, um, because yes, I did get married again. Um, he is phenomenal. You know, he understands my passion and my drive to succeed, and he fully supports that. So, you know, if, if, it's a matter of somebody needing to pick up groceries while I'm working later. Well, he'll go and do that and he'll cook the meals and he'll do the laundry, you know? So, um, we have a division of duties, which is awesome. Um, but we share in the load, which, you know, makes for light work if you're sharing. And so he's, he's one of my biggest champions and then my kids as well. So, and my parents and my brother, and we're a very tight knit family, but, very supportive of everybody's um, goals and career aspirations. So yeah, it makes and things easier. <laughs> and that is what you mentioned about that shared responsibilities. That is the secret sauce is oh. having that shared responsibilities and that respect. Mm -hmm. There's no ego and the support to let you drive how you need to drive. And I think that is if one thing that we could easily, not easily, but certainly to be aware of is that any units that have two people, I mean, without the single moms like myself, I mean, <laughs> the dogs can't make meal, right? But um, it's that shared responsibilities at the home is so darn important. So if you can have conversations with your spouse and just say, hey, I need help, that is how women rise. And I have to give my husband kudos for this. I don't always even need to ask. He just picks up the slack. So, I mean, that's even better. Um, but you know, when I was out on my own as a single mom as well, I mean, it was difficult doing it all on my own, you know, and, and you, you finish your, your work and you run to the grocery store and you pick up the food and then you get home and there's the kids and you're picking them up from school. And, you know, and then you're off to activities. Half the time you're living in your car and you're eating in your car. And, you know, um, cause I had two extremely active children, um, sports wise, um, that it, you know, I think that women who are in that situation, it's extremely challenging. And so that's where they also need the support network, whether that be girlfriends or, um, family members that are around them, you know, it takes a community. 
um, I, I think, you know, um, they say that, right, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, not sure who they are, but uh, I've heard that quoted. So, um, you know, I do think that that has some validity to it. It, it does take a lot of effort to be um, a single parent, whether that's a single mom or a single dad. You know, there's lots of single dads out there too, trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Well, and I can I can say yes to all of those counts. And I remember the all of the crazy schedules. And honestly, you just get through it. You don't even know how you're going to get through it. You just get through it. And if you stop to think about it, don't. <laughs> because yeah. then you'll be like, how am I going to do this all? You just do. Yes. Well, hey, that's why, you know, um, if you need something done, what's the saying? Give it to a mom. You ask the busy person. Ask the busy person. Um, because you know, I think you just naturally do find a way to get it done. Unfortunately, though, I do think that there's a downside to that as well, because I think that that's where that busy person ends up sacrificing themselves as well in order to get all of that done. Um, and so, you know, I think even through this pandemic, we've seen some of the side effects of that, right? Um, people who have given and given and given, and now it's kind of like, you know, with all the added stress of the pandemic, yeah. we're seeing some of the ramifications of that. You know, we've seen women dropping out of the, the workforce, um, you know, depression increasing, suicide rates, you know, like it's just, I think it's, there needs to be a delicate balance. You, you can't do it all and you have to be able to say no. That's the one thing that I've had to learn because um, I always is the I'm always the person that says yep I'll do that yep I'll do that and it was interesting I was uh, listening to Brene Brown uh, yesterday actually and she was talking about how when we overcommit, we end up actually disappointing ourselves because we can't get it all done mm -hmm. and so we end up breaking our own self-trust or our own trust in ourselves and so I really resonated with that going, yeah, you know what? I've been there. I, that's something that I've done. Um, and so that's a work in progress still though, I have to say, because <laughs> I still put my hand up for a lot of things. Uh, I'm guilty as that. I'm guilty as well. I have to say that is one of, I mean, when you're an A-type personality and you're driven and you're ambitious and you just see like so much opportunity and you, do with purpose you want to say yes yes right absolutely. and so yeah it, it's the hardest thing to curb but it does make so much sense because you have to look after yourself first yes absolutely um you know like what i've found uh, through the pandemic uh working at home uh which has been awesome i've truly loved that our firm's been fantastic with allowing us all to work remotely so i've been home since march of uh, 2020 um, but the time that I would have spent commuting, you know, is now time that I invest in myself. So I still get up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning. Um, but instead of jumping straight into the shower and getting ready, well, now I'm downstairs and I am doing my yoga or I'm doing my gratitude meditation or I'm riding my spin bike, you know? So, um, for me, that's added an element that. Um, it's not that I didn't have it before. I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning in order to do that before. <laughs> so, you know, I was sacrificing sleep. Now I don't have to sacrifice sleep as much. <laughs> so that was a question that I was going to ask you, um, Andrea. What is a non-negotiable in your 
daily ritual that it's like without a doubt this has got to be done I mean there are days that you don't but maybe but what is one thing that's non-negotiable for you as a leader that you can attribute to your success well I'd have to say that this is something that I've recently implemented not something that I used to implement it's easier for me to do it now that my children are older and you know kind of a little bit more self-sufficient they can drive themselves where they need to go so I can be a little bit more um, specific with my time um, and protective. So for me right now, it's that morning ritual of getting up, doing my yoga or doing um, my gratitude practice or riding my spin bike. Um, though that It's morning time for me. That, that one hour of between five and six, that's mine. <laughs> you can have me every other you know, hour. Uh, but that's kind of the one thing that is non-negotiable now for me. And so are you at 10 p.m. or earlier bedtime on the dot to make sure that you get up? Because five o'clock's early. I know Miss Sarah um, is doing exercise classes at 5 a.m. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a nine o'clocker, uh, so I'm in bed by nine. Um, but like this my body just naturally wakes up early in the morning because this is a routine that i've done for a very long time other than when i had all of my major surgeries that i had to go through and learn how to walk three times um <laughs> but um you know it's I, I was a personal trainer so when i actually left my uh, family's business i went back to school and i became a personal trainer and i trained for a fitness uh, competition so a figure competition um and so from then on, I kind of developed that routine of being in the gym. And, and I'm fortunate, um, back then I bought all the gym equipment. So I actually have a gym in my house. It's not just a you know treadmill that collects clothes. Um, I physically have a full gym in the house. So, you know, it, it is easy for me to, to get downstairs and do what I need to do. Um, but sometimes it's just going outside and, and getting in touch with nature and taking the dog for a walk too. Um, yeah. So physical activity every single day, whether it's a walk or just yoga mat, hitting the mat or the weights. Yeah. Yeah. Super important. Love that because I think that's one of the things that everybody likes to see. Well, she's so accomplished. She seems to have everything all together and she's drive driven. What what's her secret? You know, like nine o'clock bedtime, five o'clock rise and have a morning ritual. Those are really important things. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so my next question for you, Andrea, is um, what now we, this wouldn't be a woman of inspiration podcast, of course, if we didn't ask you what your definition of a woman of inspiration is to you. Huh. So when I had to answer that question for the, the book, um, I, I put my thinking cap on a little bit and I would have to say that a woman of inspiration to me is a woman who is authentic to herself and to those and lifts those up around her. So it doesn't matter what career path you're in, um, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a corporate CEO. If you're authentic to who you are and what you do, um, and then you also help lift other people up around you, um, I think that to me is a woman of inspiration. Mm, well said, well said. And that's always a really interesting one for me because 
when I hear about that, the answers, I always look at the person sharing it and I'm like, yeah, that's her. <laughs> it yeah. really is, you know, authentic leader. It's a, it's a brilliant thing. And you know, it's um, every, every woman has their story. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I, I just finished reading a book by Jamie Kern Lima and um, she talks about authenticity a lot and it really, it just, it struck a chord with me because I think that, you know, the leaders that are making the difference in industries right now are the ones that are being authentic. Um, you know, it's not enough to just talk about doing something. It's actually following through and doing something about it. So it's walking the talk. And so for me, authenticity, I think is, is a big component of that. And, you know, with my team, um, I want, I, I hope they see me as authentic. I certainly tried to be authentic. Um, cause you know, I, I think that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to now I'm saying all this, my family would probably go, yeah, right, mom. Um, cause you know, I probably have the hardest time being vulnerable with my family, but you know, when it comes to my team, um, I'm okay being vulnerable with them and them being vulnerable with me because you know what uh, the success of a team um, and the success of a company is directly measured by who's in it and what they're doing and if there's some sort of authenticity to it I think people perform better if they're being authentic to who they are and their you know their values and, and beliefs well I completely couldn't agree more with you and of course women seen heard valued mm -hmm. Um, love if we that. can't, right? <laughs> if we can't actually articulate what it is that we value, or you know, um, our experiences, then how can people support you either? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, it, that's such a key component. Um, if you either can't ask for what you want, or um, you know, speak up for yourself, or speak up for someone else, you know, I think that's. I'll never forget there was a situation in high school and um, there was a teacher was kind of beating up on one of my girlfriends like verbally um, and picking on her and it just I was so enraged that I, I stuck up for her in class ended up getting kicked out of class um, and you know this teacher had me up against the lockers just yelling in my face um, and I'm sitting there going wow like how dare you <laughs> now it it just I, I think that it's important that not only are you authentic to yourself but you're authentic to the people that are around you mm -hmm. and you stick up for those that maybe are having difficulty sticking up for themselves as well mm -hmm. be the voice that others can't voice is yes. really important yeah because you know what you'll teach them to have a voice that's the thing mm -hmm. right like if you empower someone to have a voice um, by showing them that it's okay, mm. they will eventually learn that behavior for themselves. Mm. So true, modeling role model behavior, like it, yes. that's, and that is my next question for you is why is it so important to recognize the achievements of women? Oh, that's because women are not very good at recognizing their achievements themselves, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, you know, I do feel like we have difficult times, like we're very good at acknowledging other people's achievements. But when it comes to writing that 
list of what because this tested my abilities trust me when i had to answer this question on the uh for the book because you know it just it's really hard to sit down and go oh i've done that and oh i've done this and oh i did that too um because you almost feel internally like i shouldn't be saying all these things somebody else should say that for me not myself and so I think that that for me, if, if, if somebody else can step up and say, Hey, you've done a really good job with this or Hey, um, and acknowledges you for it. And as a woman, you don't discount it. That's the key. You accept it and go, yeah, thank you. You know what? You're right. I feel pretty good about that. I think we'd be in a better position as women if we did more of that. And so I think it's extremely important that we really recognize the successes that women are having and acknowledge that. And if a woman discounts them, say, no, you know what? You did do a good job, accept it, you know, like embrace it. Um, because I think we have a natural tendency not to embrace our own successes. Mm -hmm. Well said. And as you know, I'm a great big advocate for that because mm -hmm. If you embrace your success and own it, you pave yes. the road for others to do the same. Absolutely. And so thank you. More conversations like this, Andrea, are needed. Mm -hmm. And for leaders to say, I'm proud of what I've accomplished. Mm -hmm. And I'm, it's not about ego. Yeah. Um, it's just about owning your work. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, I think um, that's the difference between the genders sometimes is I, I really don't feel, and I've certainly tried to do this differently with, with my daughters, um, because for some reason, my son just naturally owns his worth. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that we are, have been taught not necessarily to own it, that it's not okay that, you know, that's bragging or, you know, um, and yet, I don't know. I mean, it, it, you look at it, women typically don't negotiate well, you know, with if they're going into a job offer, but the men just ask for tons, right? Like, it just, and I mean, those are very generalized stereotypes and I realize that. So hopefully I don't offend any of the, the listeners, but um, I, I just feel like there's still so much more that women could learn to embrace their own power mm -hmm. and um, be able to be okay with, their accomplishments and and celebrate them and you know as you told me I need to shout it from the rooftops <laughs> yes yes that yeah. is exactly what women need to do more of and thank you for leading by example and I know it's uncomfortable mm -hmm. it's darn uncomfortable to be in that space I mean you know Andrea now you have um your headshot yes. um on our 2021 roadshow uh truck semi yes. that's going across north america how does that feel like that's i i would say pretty close to shooting from the rooftops <laughs> it, it's actually uh quite funny because um i had a girlfriend send me a text at six o'clock in the morning while i'm working out she's like i just saw your face on a truck and it was because we were on the news and she's like what the heck's this about so i explained to her what it was about so it was pretty cool um so yeah you know like it's it's kind of neat to think that somewhere across North America, my face is rolling around. Um, so yeah, I think I love that initiative that um, you've taken on uh, and developed, Monica, because I really truly feel like, um, you know, the be seen, be heard. Um, yeah, 
it just it gives me goosebumps. <laughs> well, I'm excited for the journey in September, of course, to mm -hmm. be on the road and to start, you know, in Vancouver all the way to the East Coast. I mean, we've been so in our own worlds for so long. It's so liberating and empowering that we're going to be able to do this. And, you know, with COVID restrictions, of course, yes. the world has definitely changed in the past 15 months, but um, in the next three months, the world is slowly opening up and um, really exciting for women to drive change. Can you see my t-shirt? Yes, I can. Women I drive it. change, right? Yes. I'm such a poster. I'm just I love it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I proudly I wear it. I saw you have tank tops like that too. I need one of those for the summer. <laughs> oh yes, in white and black and mugs. We have and bumper stickers. Oh, I honestly do believe that this whole campaign and for women to be empowered is that everybody plays a role, right? Yeah. So slap it in the, you know, your car, women driving change. Anyways, we have bumper stickers as well at the store. I am very proud to be part of a company that supports this, these types of initiatives. Mm. Um, you know, this kind of goes to the core of um, Raymond James, you know, being active in our communities. Like right now we've got the Raymond James um, 5K uh, for kids um, that's going on. So most of us employees, we've got challenges all across the country. We're raising money and, um, you know, you're supposed to only do, you only need to do five kilometers in a month, but a lot of us are doing five kilometers a day. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, that just speaks to the core of our company and, um, you know, kind of what we're about. And so, you know, supporting women, supporting diversity. Um, yeah, it's, it's a big part of our, our company. Well, we're super proud to be um, strategic partnerships with Raymond James and to have your support with the Roadshow, have you so much a part of the Universal Women's ne Network, Andrea, and really um, leading such a great mission within your own network, um, you know, globally to um, champion for women. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Before we do leave, of course, I would love to know um, who is your woman of inspiration, Andrea? Actually, it's Jamie Kern Lima. Um, she is uh, the founder of It Cosmetics, and she overcame. Her book is phenomenal, by the way. If you haven't read it, uh, I would absolutely go out and get it and read it. Uh, the amount of challenges that she overcame, and she's actually one of the instrumental people as to why we are now starting to see actual real life women being displayed in ads and in you know um bathing suit models and all that kind of stuff and so she was really the one who brought some authenticity to the beauty industry and i i really admire her for it because what she had to go through for 10 years trying to build herself a company that she ended up selling for over a billion dollars yeah. Uh, yeah i know she took 10 years to build it in her living room constantly getting her no 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 you're not what the beauty industry um personally they would attack her saying that she wasn't what the beauty industry would um you know accept um to finally building a company large enough that l'oreal ended up buying them so you know i look at that and the courage that it took for her to continue on with her dream that she was passionate about and stay authentic to hats off mm. 
such a woman of inspiration. We should nominate her. <laughs> you know, and it's funny if you chuckle, but I have to say, um, this is another thing is that women leaders leading great big companies, they're looking after everybody else. Mm -hmm. But how many times do they actually get the pat on the back to say, you're doing a great job? Because everybody thinks that it's, they know, they already know, yes. right? Yeah. But I think that the acknowledgement piece is so darn important that the leaders leading the pack, just like yourself, you're doing a great job, Andrea. <laughs> well, thank you, Monica. Great. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's something that should be talked about more of. And I'm really happy to have had the opportunity to have this authentic interview with you today. To You can see how passionate are you that you are about supporting women. And I look forward to um, the book, the 100 Women of Inspiration book coming out this fall and to actually be driving change across um, Canada in the fall with the 2021 World Show. Where can people learn more about the Raymond James? And, you know, let's hit that target of 25 by 25s. And if there's a woman listening and in transition, there's an opportunity. Talk to Andrea, how can they get a hold of you? Um, well, I'm on LinkedIn, so anybody connect uh, can connect with me on LinkedIn. So it's Andrea Linger, L-I-N-G-E-R. Um, and I work at Raymond James, obviously. So you can find me by searching me on LinkedIn there. Um, you can also find uh, information on RaymondJames.ca as well. Um, if you're interested in advisor opportunities, my name will pop up there as well. Awesome. And any parting words of wisdom for the listeners today, Andrea, that you would just love to inspire um, some wisdom to listeners today? I think the biggest thing that I would just say is if you're thinking about it, reach for it, grab it, go for it. You know, um, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not going to grow. And if you don't want to grow, that's fine too. You know, just be authentic to who you are um, and, and live for your purpose because um, it's, it's soul crushing to live for someone else's purpose. Mm beautiful words to end up just a rock star interview. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you to our listeners. I hope that you enjoyed the podcast and we definitely would love to encourage you to learn more about the Universal Women's Network and of course the Women of Inspiration podcast. Share it, shout it from the rooftops um, and celebrate those women in your networks, communities and workplaces. So thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us um, and I will see you on the road. Yes. Thank you so much, Monica, for having me. You're welcome.